Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. For those of you who are fairly new to the Ark, this is Uncle Joe. He is, he's been coming for 25 years. He's, he's family to us. He goes all over America, and uh, we're just so blessed that he continues to come here. He just has such a unique ministry. We always laugh with Joe. We always learn. Did, was I the one that called you Laugh and Learn? Yes, you are. Laugh and Learn ministry. Yes, you are. It's Laugh and Learn, and uh, we just appreciate him coming. We love him. Like I said, he's family. Would you give, would you give our Uncle Joe a, a big hand? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Morning, everybody. God bless Texas. Yeah, that's more like it. That's more like it. Uh, Now I'm on the clock, you know. So let's not waste any time. Uh, We're going to jump in at uh, Matthew chapter 20 this morning. Now I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It's my favorite translation. I have to tell people when I come to Texas, I've not left the King James. I still study the King James, but I don't speak King James. So I speak modern English. So uh, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to jump in around verse 17. Uh, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. Hmm. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, they never did understand that. He, they, they thought Jesus come back to establish the kingdom, you know, get Israel out of the hands of the Romans, probably kill all the Romans off, you know. And so they're trying, to, they're trying to understand it, but they can't. They just, it, it's not sinking in. So he just told them again, this is what's going to happen. I've told you before. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die three days. I'm going to the belly of the earth. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to go to heaven. We're going to build something called the church. Well, now, uh, Jesus had a following here. For the last three and a half years, ever since he left Galilee, he's been traveling all over. He had a lot of people following him. Um, I have to say this carefully. Jesus was not poor. 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 Uh, the Bible says Jesus became poor that we might be made rich. Well, yeah, that's biblically true because Jesus owned the universe. He owned everything. As far as you can see in the heavens, he owned it all. So when he became poor, you got to put that in context. He had everything. So he took on the body of a man, came to earth, and so he was running a business. He ran the family business. They owned the local Home Depot. Uh, you bought anything made of wood, they made it. Boat mass, furniture, chairs, table. And so it was not a small business. It was a family-owned business. So now Jesus is in the ministry, and so he still thinks like a businessman. And so um, he's trying to explain the reason he came to earth was to die. They're gonna, I don't deserve to die, but they're going to kill me. And my dying is going to buy your salvation. Now, that's the essence of the gospel, but that's it kind of quick. So, there have been a lot of people follow him uh, from day one. 
ever since he left Galilee. Uh, women that have been delivered from demons, uh, been healed, men that have been cast devils out of, a lot of people are following him and the people that have been ministered to by him. They realize this guy's it, he's the one. We may not understand, but this guy's the son of God. I mean, who else can walk on water and raise the dead and create 5,000 happy meals on one day? I mean, he, he's the one. And so he's just made this statement. Immediately after that, verse 20, then after he's made this statement about what's going to happen, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What's your request, Jesus asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able. And so he said, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my left or on my right. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. So it's like, now you got to stand there's 12 guys following Jesus around the staff. And so, so mom's on her knees, like what's going on? Well, this lady's on her knees. Well, she's honoring the office. She knows this is God's son of God. When you finally come into whenever this thing's going to happen, would you let my two sons sit in places of honor, one on your left, one on your right? He said, well, I can't decide that. My father's already decided that. Well, the other 10 got mad. Now, I'm not going to go into it. You read down the rest of the chapter. The other 10 got mad. Well, like, who are you? You got to have your mama ask for you? So at least my mama loves me. She's here. Where's your mama at? And that's what they thought. And so what I got to thinking was, where did she get the idea to ask to begin with? Well, you got to back up a chapter the day before. Uh, chapter 19, verse 27. They're all talking. They're headed to Jerusalem. Verse 27, chapter 19. Then Peter said to him, look, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What are we going to get? Now, these are apostles. These are great men of God, but they're not stupid. What are we getting out of this thing? I mean, where's our paycheck coming from? What are we going to get for doing? We want to serve you. We love, but what are we going to get for this? So they're asking the question. And so Jesus replied, well, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you, have, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return, also eternal life. So he said, listen, this thing's about... Well, mama's there the day before. Whoa. The 12 guys have been following Jesus all this time. His staff, they're going to sit on thrones. They're going to sit on, well, two of my boys are going to be sitting on thrones. Well, if we're going to be sitting on thrones, we might sit on the best ones. So where's the best ones at? Right next to Jesus. So she's got this from his sermon. Lord, when you come to your glory, let one sit on your left and one on your right. And she said, well, I, I don't make that decision. Well, my father makes that decision. Well, the other 10 got mad like who are you? Well, at least I'm asking. You know, if there's a choice, let's go for the top seat. So, when they did this, let's go, uh, let's go Mark chapter 1 and kind of lay the groundwork for this. Uh, Mark chapter 1. It's like, where do these, where do these people come from to begin with? Um, the first disciples, Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. 
One day when Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Hmm, never thought about that. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, I heard this my whole life. I've been in church ever since four days after I was born. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every training union camp meeting, I've been to all of them. And so I've heard a lot of sermons. So I got to thinking back when I first heard this, well, no wonder, you know, fishing's a hard business because they fished at night in the shallow of the water. They didn't fish in the day. They always fished at night. They fished at night in shallow water and they'd throw the nets out. Well, they've been fishing and it's hard work. And so you knew these people, if you ever went into town, they smell fishy. Who's that? Well, that's the fisherman. They smell it. They said, skanky, just skanky. And so, so, so it says, uh, uh, they said they left the teacher. So I'm thinking, well, sure. You ask, hey, Joe, you want to go with me or do you want to fish all day? No, I'm tired of fishing. I want to go with you. I want to go with the man with a nice coat. Jesus wore nice clothes. By the way, um, <laughs> at the cross, the Roman soldiers were gambling for Jesus' coat that, that he was wearing when they arrested him. They were gambling for it. They wanted it. Why? It was not a coat you bought at J.C. Penney's. It was a real nice coat. And I like J.C. Penney's. I've given them a lot of money, so don't be offended. <laughs> well, this is something they bought like from New York City. It was expensive. They're getting for his coat. So Jesus was not poor as you think of poor. So. And so they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, when I first started, I thought, well, no wonder you left your daddy, you're tired of fish, you smell like fish. I'm going to go with the guy in the nice coat. And they just left him. It's like, well, they didn't just leave him. The Bible says that they left with the other hired men. Uh, Zebedee was a very wealthy fisherman. He owned several boats. He had a staff of people. They made money at it. And so two of his sons just happened to work for him. Well, they're going to go with Jesus. Well, they, Jesus didn't leave him alone. He left him in a boat with the other hired men. So, you got to think about this. Uh, Mark chapter 3. I'm setting this up, pouring a lot of concrete. Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain, and he called the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him, and he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him. He would send them out to preach giving them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 that he chose. And it lists them. I'm just going to go with the first three. Three of the 12, Jesus gave nicknames to. Now, why would he do that? Why would the Son of God give a nickname to somebody? Well, God's got a great sense of humor. It's quiet in here. <laughs> and so, first he mentions Simon, who he named Peter. I'm going to call you the rock. You're going to be my rock. You're the rock. Put a vest on the rock. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Yeah, put that back in vest. Yeah, I'm sons of thunder. Now, regardless of what you think, for all the pictures you've ever seen of the apostles, these were not wimpy men. 
These were mean men, tough men, and rough men. Yeah, they preached the gospel, they'd handle sick, cast out the devil. These are not wimpy men. These two men are the sons of thunder. Like, well, that's fascinating. Well, look over in Luke chapter 9. I'll give you insight into the sons of thunder. Uh, uh, things are winding down, three and a half years of ministry. They're headed back to Jerusalem, getting ready to go to the cross. Uh, verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. As the time drew near for him, Jesus, to ascend to heaven, about time to go back home, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like one another. There's several scriptures about it. And so he sent word ahead that Jesus had a staff. There are women that traveled with him, men that traveled with him. They cooked, they cleaned, they prepared, got reservations for him. He had a staff. He was not some lone guy. And uh, so uh, they sent to prepare for his arrival. But the people in the village did not welcome Jesus. They're Samaritans. We don't like Jews. They did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call fire down out of heaven and just burn them up? Who's this? The sons of thunder. Hey, Lord, we'll call fire down. we just fire them to a crispy crinkle right now. We'll burn them right now. We'll send them to hell right now. The sons of thunder. They got vets. Sons of thunder. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went to another village. What you doing? Well, he's got a tough staff. These are not wimpy people. These are people that were successful in business at what they did. But they saw a man that walked on water and raised dead people. Made 5,000 happy myths. This is different. Prophecy warned us about them, told them he was coming. He's here. He's actually here. So uh, back in Luke chapter 5, uh, Luke chapter 5, I'm going to back up the story a little bit. Uh, verse 1. Then one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed into him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats by the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking to them, he said, Simon, now let's go out where it's deeper and let down your nets for, for a great catch of fish. Well, now Simon is a, Simon's a fisherman. He's a very successful fisherman. Well, Jesus is a carpenter. He doesn't know anything about fishing. He knows how to make furniture. I'm sure he said, Jesus, you're a great carpenter. I got a lot of your furniture. My mother owns some. But you don't know anything about fishing because if you did, you wouldn't ask me to go right now. You fish in the shallow at night, not in the deep in the day. So, anyhow. And so he said, so he finished speaking. He said, let's go out into the deep. Simon replied, look, Lord, we worked hard all night. They fished at night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll go out and let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought the other partners in the other boat. And soon both, both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees on a boat full of fish. He fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. 
as were the others that were with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed him. Who are they following? They're following Jesus. What are you going to do? We're going to fish for people. What does that mean? I don't have a clue, but he said we're going to do it and we're going to do it. So with that in mind, this is a 40-year-old sermon I've taught to high school kids 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And so these are old notes, but they're real good. Don't mind saying so myself. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. Uh, Acts 12 verse 1. About this time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. It's getting nasty. And he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Now, Jesus went home 13 years ago. He went to heaven, up in the cloud, boom, he's gone. So the apostles are spreading the gospel. They're going almost to every place on the planet. They're spreading the gospel everywhere in Asia and in North Africa. They're going everywhere. And so persecution starting to happen. So James gets arrested by Herod and he gets killed. So you go back to what Zebedee's wife saw and heard Jesus say, when you get to heaven, my throne will be there. But around my throne are 12 other thrones for the apostles. I've got special seats just for you guys. And so James gets killed. He goes to heaven. Now there's Jesus in heaven, pearly gate, gold street, you know, big river. And so, hey, James, come on, have a seat. So he gets the first seat. Well, through time, the other apostles begin to die. It gets nasty. Almost all of them are killed, murdered, beheaded, chopped, sacrificed. Uh, put on the cross upside down. It got ugly. People said, well, not, that's not right. No, it's biblical. So listen to this. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Hebrews eleven thirty-three. By faith, these people, Christians, overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle put whole armies to flight, and women received their loved ones back to life from death. So what was happening? Well, the church was on the move. Laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. It was a move. At the same time, persecution was rising. And people, it was getting nasty. So, verse 36, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. They got ugly. Others went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world. This is out of the Bible. They were too good for this world, God said. They were too good for this world. They were suffering for me. They were took of this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Well, that was ugly. Yeah, but they gave their life willingly. So of the 12 apostles, 11 died by being killed, but they didn't care. Go ahead. Just like Paul said, go ahead and kill me. I've run my race. I've finished my course. I got a, I got a crown waiting for me in heaven. The minute I close my eyes here, I open my eyes in heaven. It's going to be really good. I wanted to go to heaven years ago, but I stayed because you, you thumb suckers. <laughs> My wording. 
Now, there were a lot of women that traveled with Jesus. People don't really understand it. It's in your Bible. You can read it. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. It's in your Bible. Who are these women? They're writing checks. They're writing a lot of checks. These were wealthy people. These were not ignorant people. So, Matthew 27, verse 55. We go back down to the cross. We're back and forth in time a little bit. Back to the cross. Matthew 27, verse 55. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. They'd been with him for three and a half years. Three and a half years they'd been with him. And so they were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. People are very loyal to Jesus. Wow, they saw who he was. And so I'm going to read this. This is from the Bible commentary, so this is not the Seth Lord, but it's real good. Mary Magdalene, an unmarried woman who had been tormented by seven demons whom Jesus had delivered. Who was this woman? She was demon-possessed. Jesus cast the devils out of her. <laughs> she was a woman of financial independence, was able to contribute to the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. She's the only person mentioned in the Gospels who witnessed Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. These people were very loyal, sticking it out. Joanna, I like this lady. She was married to the guy who was the steward of King Herod's court. Now, who's she working for? The enemy. Herod was trying to kill everybody. Who's your husband work for? Herod. She's financial guy. She was a wealthy and influential woman who had been healed by Jesus. Joanna was one of several women who first told the 11 apostles that Jesus had risen from the dead. So she's there when he died. She was there when that tomb rolled away and he came out and he talked to her. These people were committed. These were what we call real Christians. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Susanna, an unmarried lady, uh, was one of a group of women who ministered to Jesus and provided for the contribution of his ministry from their own wealth. Like I said, Jesus was not poor. They were gambling for his coat on the cross. So, what's going on? Well, Jesus has been on the road three and a half years. Got people very loyal to him. Who did he come from? Well, he came to die. Jesus came to die. And nobody understood that. I'm not coming to kill the Romans. I've come to die for mankind. And my dying on the cross is going to buy salvation for everybody else. It's my faith in what Jesus did, not what I did. I can't save me. Jesus saved me. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, I believe Jesus, the Son of God, that he died for me and God raised from the dead. When I confess that with my mouth, I'm saved. I didn't cry. I didn't have to crawl on my knees for a mile. I didn't have to shave my head or suck rug. Do you believe Jesus, the Son of God? Yes, I do. Well, you confess that with your mouth, you'll be saved. Is it that simple? Yes, it is. Then I'll do that. And so that's, I've been following the Lord for quite a number of years. And so, so it's my wife, so it's my children, so it's my grandchildren. It's like, what do you believe? I believe in the Word of God. I believe that we're not to forsake assembling ourselves together. What's going on in the world? Well, we're living in the last days. It's in the Bible. Uh, when Adam, when Adam was here, 
Uh, Adam was the first creation and God saw Adam and he said, mm, not good. What's well, not good? You lay there and take a nap. I'm going to fix that. So he puts Adam into a deep sleep, takes out a rib and he builds a woman. So, so Adam woke up and he went, whoa. God said, I thought you'd like that. And Adam, they went off to fellowship that day. Now, you've got to go back and read the New King James. God looked at Adam and said, you need help. <laughs> and what he did, he made a woman. And that's in the Bible. Do you know women are persecuted almost everywhere on this planet? Especially the 1040, women, uh, 1040 window where the gospel is preached the least on earth. Women are beat, abused, raped, murdered, sold as slaves. Hell hates women. A woman was God's gift to man. Thank you. Now I grew up and I was just meaner than snot. And I remember in junior high, I guess you think you're just God's gift to mankind. And some women said, I am. And it was in the Bible. They were. <laughs> Praise God. And so, so uh, the world's just been flipped upside down and women have suffered. And so I've got six kids, five are daughters, five girls. I kept wanting a boy. <laughs> I thought my first one was going to be male because surely, because back when I had babies, you didn't know till it popped out. And so that first baby popped out and I was like, that's a girl. And it was an ugly girl. No, I'm serious. She came out face first, like she'd run into a brick wall. And she had a big purple spot on top of her head, like, oh, help me, Jesus. She'll be living with me when she's 50. Nobody's going to marry that face. Well, the purple spot went away, and she's a very beautiful woman. She's a college professor today, and made a nice guy. It turned out really good. And so, so my second baby came along, and it was another girl. Like, well... Then the third one was a girl, and the fourth one. So I went to the library. I thought, what's going on? And I realized something. Uh, it's determined by the male genes what kind of kid you're going to have. It's not the woman's so It's the man. I, I got no male genes in me. <laughs> the last of the McGee's. I'm it. I'm it. And so we dropped five girls. Like, so we got pregnant. We had a sixth one. So the baby was born about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm there. And I, when he popped out, he had a thing. <laughs> I got me a child with a thing. <laughs> We're going to get to go down the other side of Toys R Us for the first time. <laughs> My daughters worked him over good. They, they stewarded him and nurtured him and cared for him and picked his spouse for him. And, <laughs> and he's doing really good. Married a wonderful gal, great, great gal. And uh, so anyhow, Revelation chapter one, verse one, I'm closing. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show the servants of the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is uh, his word, this is his word, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand something. 11 apostles have gone to heaven. 12 seats around the throne, 11 are filled. There's one empty. Who's not there? John. 
Well, now, John was the one that Jesus looked down from the cross, said, Mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. So he said, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. John's going to take care of you, Mom, Mary. He'll take care of you. You're going to watch after him. And so uh, John went with a lot of persecution. They tried to boil. Now, this is history. This isn't Bible. They said they tried to boil John in oil just to mess him up. Well, they got this vat of bubbly oil, and they dropped John in it, and he just stared at him. I said, well, he's not going to boil. Get him out. And so they sent John to the Isle of Patmos because John scared them. He's not normal. And so they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. Why? Well, it's the middle of nowhere. Get him out of here. So John's out there in the Isle of Patmos. So uh, verse 9 of Revelation 1, I am John, your brother, and your partner in suffering in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance for which Jesus has called us. I was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testament about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Now what's John? Well, they tried to boil him and beat him and it's like, oh, he, he won't die. Stick him out there in that island. So John's out there in the island. So his house life going, well, it's been kind of rough. What was going on out there? Well, it was on the Lord's day and he was worshiping in the spirit. What was he doing? Well, they said he was worshiping in the spirit. Was he a tongue talker? Well, it said he was worshiping in the spirit. What are you doing? Just singing to God, thank God. Well, while he was doing that, while he was worshiping the spirit, suddenly I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. And they said, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And he did. And we called that the book of Revelation. Now, of the 66 books of the Bible, there's only one book that promises this. Blessed are those who hear and understand the words of this book. All of the 65 books are great and they're good. You need to read them. But only one book has a blessing, the book of Revelation. Because it's how it ends. Now, I love my wife. We've been married five years now. But we were first married. We were sitting and we are going to watch a, a movie. So we going to watch a movie? Sure. And so Angel's not much on furniture, but she loves the big screen TV. And so we're going to watch a movie. And it's coming on. I said, well, what do we watch? And she named it. And I never heard of it before. And so they're playing the music. It started. I said, well, how does it end? She said, I'm not going to tell you. Well, then I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> she said, what? Yeah, I don't watch a movie unless I know how it ends. I'm not going to sit for two hours and watch something stupid where the good guy dies and gets killed and goes belly up and broke. I don't watch stupid. <laughs> the Bible says, think on these things, whatever's lovely, honest, just, praiseworthy, the good report. I watch good stuff. I don't watch stupid stuff. So I used to have a big library of movies, and they almost all were black and white because the good guy always won in the old movies. I don't know if you know that. You might not be old enough to remember that, but they did. So when I got married, I gave all that away. My kids and said, I don't watch it unless it ends good. So I'd watch John Wayne, The Searchers, probably 200 times. So it's late one winter. We're downstairs my new wife. We got a fire going, and we're eating a grilled cheese sandwich. So what are you watching? Watching The Searchers. So how many times have you seen this movie? At least a hundred. You're watching again? I love this movie. It ends good. Good guy wins. I like to watch good movies where the good guy wins. I don't watch stupid movies where the bad guy wins. I don't feed on stupid. I feed on good stuff. Think on these things. Whatever's low deal. And so I don't watch stupid. I don't read stupid. I don't sing stupid. Bob says, sing to yourself and sobs and hymns making Mary in your heart. 
I sing good stuff. My kids would make fun of me all the time. I'd sing a tune, but I'd mess up the word. Dad, that's not the words. Well, they're my words. And I changed the words. I got good words. I think about things that'll be good, good for me, and good to happen to me. So I sing good stuff all the time. It's not the right words, but they're my words. So, so at the end of Revelation, the greatest book in the Bible, which you ought to at least read one time. Revelation 22, the last chapter, verse 7, Jesus is speaking, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. It's the only book in the Bible with a blessing promised on it. Then verse 12, look, I'm coming soon, bringing with me reward. Uh, with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir of his throne. I am the bright and morning star. What's going on? What Jesus is coming? Well, I heard that in the 60s. Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm, yeah. Did he come? No. No, he didn't make it. And then I heard in the 70s, so the Christian bookstores are starting to pop up. They're writing books about the end times. Well, he's coming in the 70s. He didn't make it. Well, then he's coming in the 80s. And then he's coming in 88. He's coming in 88. Well, he missed it. It's 89. <laughs> then he wrote another book. Well, it's 90. He's coming in 90. Well, he didn't make it. Then definitely he's coming in the year 2000. That's when the computer's going to crash and the world's going to end. It's coming in 2000. <laughs> well, he didn't make it. Well, he's still coming, and it's getting closer day by day. The Bible says, when Israel became a nation in 1948, the Word says, when Israel reestablished a nation, I will come in that generation. Well, the generation of the Bible is 100 years. Israel became a nation in 1948, so Jesus will be back before the year 2048. Now, I'm, a, I'm an old theologian, so I'll back off seven years for Jewish time because the prophecy of Daniel's. The, 483 years, then the 490 years will happen. Well, time got cut off, 483. There's seven years of Jewish history yet to fulfill. It's in the Bible. It's what Revelation is about. God said, I'm not through with the Jews, but it's the churches. I lived in the churches. For 2,000 years, I lived in the churches. Greatest age of human history. Man, we're moving like a freight train, healing the sick, raising the dead, laying the hands. We're preaching the gospel, helping orphans, helping widows, visiting people in prison. We're the church. We're what's happening. Well, it's bad. Well, sure it is. The Bible says the trials of life will come. We will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, heady, high-minded, truth breakers, unthankful, unholy, without natural faith. It's all in the Bible. Stanky's coming. But not to me. I'm the answer. I'm the light. I'm the salt. I ought to be the best person in my neighborhood, the best person in my church, the best person in my block. I leave everybody better than I find them. I am what's happening. I am the body of Christ. I'm leaving everybody better than I find them. So I tell people, you know, uh, America, we're young. Uh, I taught history for years, for 10 years. And I'll just kind of short version. We never should have won World War I. We never should have won that war. We, got, we were outnumbered, outmanned. We never should have won the Revolutionary War. We were fighting the most, the strongest, most well-equipped nation on the planet, England. We didn't even have an army. We had to go meet in Philadelphia and say, hey, I think we need to get all get together. <laughs> Thirteen colonies didn't like one another. That's why we lived in different places. I don't like them. I live down here. 
And so we're being attacked by Hingham. So we ought to get together. Well, first, well, we need to make a constitution. What's first we need? Well, we need an army. Why? Because we're being attacked. So what are we going to do? Well, we've got to get a uniform. Well, what color? Well, we can't get red. They've already got red. We need to get blue. Well, so we stood out in the cow pasture, in a straight line, and we took turns shooting because it was a gentleman thing to do. You're our guest. You get to shoot first. <laughs> they made movies about it, people. They made it. And so you're our guest. Shoot first. <laughs> well, okay, and that's our turn to shoot. Well, we couldn't shoot as good, so it wasn't going well. So Washington had lost two big battles, lost almost all of his men. So he went to the governor of Virginia, who he's worked for at the time, and said, Governor, you know, we're going to keep you. I think you've learned your lesson. You're not good. You're not good at this. Go, go meet this Cherokee chief. He'll tell you how to fight. So it's a true story. Watch goes meet the Cherokee chief. How do you fight? Well, number one, you got to get the stinking blue coat off. Quit standing out in the middle of the cow pasture. Get you those long rifles. So when the British come down the road, beating her dumb, they come by, shoot them. Then turn around and run back in the woods. Because they're going to take time to turn around and get in order and get on their knees. One, two, three, shoot. By the time they shoot, you'll be gone. That's why there's not a British flag flying over our country today. <laughs> so I tell people, we shouldn't have won any war we've been in, especially World War I, especially World War II. We were outmanned, outnumbered. Hitler's running the whole world. Like, what's going on? Well, some grandmama in Kansas was praying. God answers prayer. When John goes to heaven, there's all the 12 thrones around Jesus' throne. Hey, James, how you doing? James is sitting there in that first seat. The other 11 seats been filled. And there's one empty seat. Well, John goes over and he sits down in the 12th seat. The wife of Zebedee asked Jesus a favor. When you come into your glory, can I ask a favor? Will let my son sit on one side and one on the other? So, well, I can't answer. Only my father will decide that. When she got to heaven, by the throne of Jesus, one son was sitting on the left, one son was sitting on the right. God answered that woman's prayer. Don't ever stop praying for your kids. Well, I prayed nothing's happened. Keep praying. Well, I've been praying for years. Keep praying. God answers prayer. Some great preachers, some of them, you know, God sometimes answers prayers quickly. Sometimes it takes years because there's higher levels and bigger devils. So don't give up. You're still breathing. Keep praying. What's the best way to pray? Staying thankful. Father, I want to thank you. You supply all my need. And I need that something fierce. So I think you supply that need. And don't ever get the devil to mess with your mind. Well, maybe you're not praying right. Maybe you're praying wrong. Maybe No, keep praying. Paul said, I pray without ceasing. I don't ever stop praying. I pray all the time. I've been beat, robbed. My boat sank they, three times. I couldn't keep a boat afloat, you know, but I'm still here. Pray without ceasing. So moms and dads today, I don't care what you're doing with today, God wants to supply all your need. God wants to redeem you, bring you out, bring you through. So keep praying. If you don't know what to say, just get thankful. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. What are you doing praying in the perfect will of God? What are you saying? I don't know and I don't care. I'm just giving God something to work with. <laughs> and you can pray in the Holy Ghost when you mow the grass, drive to work, doing the dishes. You can pray all the time. Your brain doesn't have to get involved. We do my spirits praying to God, the perfect will of God. So when we leave today, let's get that prayer thing going. Come on, there's stuff to do, people. We live in the greatest time of human history. Let's stand up. 
Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word that says we can pray and you will answer our prayer. If we pray according to your will and your will is in your word, we have it in written form. So, Father, we're going to pray the word of God. And you promised you'd watch over your word performance. So, we thank you, Father, in advance. In advance, we say thank you, Father. All of our needs met. All of our needs supplied. You work all things out for our good. We're quoting your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick. Two questions. Are you here this morning? said, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never, ever asked him in my heart, but God's been dealing with me. And I'd like to do something about that today. If that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. But in just a few seconds, that's you. I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand, wave it at me, and put it right back down. I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. If you're willing to do that today, God said he will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things become new. God will make a new creature in Christ. Or if you're here today, you say, Joy, I am saved. I just haven't been living for God lately. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you've ever committed in a matter of time. He'll take your sin as far as the east is from the west. He'll put it in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sin in heaven. And God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, said, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again today. Would you pray that prayer for me? And Joe, that's me. I need to rededicate my life. That's you right now. Would you just get your hand up waving at me and put it back down? Joe, pray for me. I want, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you back there. Thank you there. Thank you up there. Yes, thank you back there. Anybody else? Yes, thank you over there. Anyone else? Yeah, thank you right here. Start there. I saw your hand. Thank you right there. Uh, hands are still going. Anyone else? It'll never get easier than this. God doesn't save me. He does the redeeming. He just needs your permission. Anyone else? All right, hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you who raised your hands, we're going to pray this prayer with you. So I want everybody in here to say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for those hands that went up this morning, either as a first time or a simple reaffirmation of faith in you, according to your word and their obedience is right now, they are born again, children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You're their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice and the voice of a stranger will not follow. Lord, as they lead today, surround them with divine favor. May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes and bring godly friends into the life that will strike iron and cause them to grow up all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.